more satisfying than a high lobbing ball into Seamus Darby, it's this week's edition of the Brave and Faithful podcast with Joe Troy and Willow Callahan. Well, you're very welcome along to this week's edition of the Brave and Faithful podcast. It's going to be a little bit shorter than last week because we've lost most of our games this coming weekend. It's due to the GA on Monday afternoon putting a cessation to all of their activities at club level indefinitely so we're not sure when the club games are going to get back underway joe troy is here with me joe you're from one of the affected clubs given that drum cullen were due to play this coming weekend in the senior b hurling final against kennedy and that game now as things stand unless something dramatic happens later in the week after we put this podcast live won't be taking place now yeah look very very frustrating very disappointing um we would have been training tonight there at quarter to seven, seven o'clock. And, you know, much like the other three clubs involved, Kennedy, Kilcormick, Kalahi and Rhinus, it kind of leaves you wondering where you're standing now because, you know, a lot of WhatsApps and texts and tweets flying around between all uh, clubs wondering what's going on. And it's it's hugely frustrating because if you were told that it was going to be, you know, postponed for two weeks, three weeks, you'd have an idea whether to park train and come back at it. But it's the fact that not knowing now, will it be after the Inter-County Championship, will it be played at all? Is it going to have a turnaround and come back next weekend? This is the frustrating thing about it. I know it can't be helped. Um, you know, public health comes first. But I think there has been reasonable uh, progress made in the GA. We've seen some things at the weekend which has not held up, you know, and, and we know what happened down in Cork and a few more places. But in Offaly, I know there's been a bit of consternation with the football yesterday. I think things have worked quite well. Um, when you get this close to actually finishing the championship safely and getting them out of the way, um, as a player and as a club member, it's, it's just hugely frustrating. But I do agree that public health has to come first, naturally enough. But, you know, as a player, you're that bit more selfish. You're five, six days out and you're just hoping to get over the line safely and be done with the year, essentially. Yeah, because it seems what's happened here, Joe, because this announcement by the GA was made before the cabinet met to decide on the level that they were going to move things up to in terms of the restrictions. The GA were responding to a lot of criticism, particularly on the back of BlackRock hurling. And I was looking at Ben Keneally's tweet on Monday, and he said, complete disregard, quote, for current restrictions that have been shown here has led to two clubs in Offaly to possibly miss out on hurling in a county final this weekend. Many teams have celebrated appropriately. We all have to do our bit. And Ben was quote tweeting the video of the BlackRock hurling team coming down the BlackRock road and the amount of supporters that were there. The players weren't wearing masks and a lot of people were kind of uh, congregating in the same place. I think what probably annoyed a lot of people too, Joe, was the tweet from BlackRock hurling where they were joking about changing their Wi-Fi on the club password to BlackRock 33 for the amount of titles that they have. It was sent out at 6.28 in the morning, which seemed to me fairly clear that the guys were partying through the night with little regard for COVID-19 restrictions. Between that and maybe some of the images that people saw of bunching in stands at county finals over the weekend, it put the GA in a pretty awkward position where they probably felt they had to do something here. Yeah, and it's look, it, it's it's very irresponsible because, you know, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do to try and get away with these things, but if you have social media involved, you're literally, you know, you make an error in haste and it's it's out there, the cat is out of the bag and you haven't been responsible, you know. Like yesterday I was in St. Brendan's Park and Borough, my own club joined with Sir Kieran won the under 13A title. We streamed it live on our club Facebook because of the fact that they weren't taking any chances, neither Borgia, Chicormac Kalahi or John Cullen Starkeeran. The tickets were distributed out to 50 each. After the match, it was strange. I was doing a bit of video work and a couple of uh, photos just to see the people still in the stand while the players were clapped up. For under-13s, it was very strange not to be able to run straight to their mother or father or their grannies and granddads because they weren't there, essentially, the majority of them. And 
I think there's an onus on clubs to be responsible. You know, I, I, I can see it in, in, in awfully what's gone on. It's been very progressive. It's been very tight. Um, I just think at other clubs, it's easy to label the actions of others. And not just in the GA, in any walks of life, be it soccer, be it, you know, be it public houses, be it whatever. Um, there are people making mistakes during COVID-19. Um, look, you can't label everyone with a one brush. But we can only speak from our own experience. You know, we had the kids up here after our senior training on Saturday, we had a socially distance event. We had um, a player going in and just demonstrating some skills to the different groups, just to kind of bond the people, uh, you know, putting up the, the flags and bunting ahead of both finals, what we thought would be both finals. And it's just disappointing then when you see that you're going to so much effort to try and keep things right as best you can and keep everyone happy and keep everyone safe. And then, you know, what goes on by people that are in the same position as us as club people, it, it, it's very disheartening because, you know, I know Ben said out the two teams, obviously it includes the four of us, but it is frustrating because you just don't know where you stand. It's been 10 years, for example, since John Cullen ran an adult final here. You know, we've been massively looking forward to it in terms of streaming it, in terms of watching it and ourselves, in terms of playing it. Kennedy are the same. And it's just, it's a, court, a total non-event now. It's You don't know what's going on and it's frustrating. Um Look, I know people outside the GA bubble mightn't see this and say, look, to hell with the GA, you don't need it. But the people inside, it's been such a shining beacon between the streaming services, the radio, uh, people getting some outlet. It's been very good for, you know, for mental health. It's been very good for people's moods. I know it's got me through a lot the last couple of months because even going over to the field two, three nights a week, sometimes you'd be dreading going over and, and getting into the hard slog. Now you get to see the lads. It's safe. We're having a bit of fun over there. We're doing the training and it gets you out of the house and you have something to look forward to. And I know our supporters were keen uh, to stay watching action too. Yeah, I suppose where the GA had a problem here. They created a rod for their back in many ways by looking for a meeting with the then acting CMO, Ronan Glynn, uh, after Neffet had made the suggestion not to allow more people back into stadiums at the end of July and into early August. And as a result, there were many other sports around this uh, country which felt that there was exceptionalism being expected uh, by the GA that they were going to get special treatment. And I think what annoyed a lot of people of fans of other sports was that, you know, in rugby at the moment, in the Pro 14 and even in the Champions Cup, they've had completely behind closed doors games and huge restrictions for players and testing taking place. In the League of Ireland, they've had to cut down their uh, supporter base dramatically because of this. And then they look at county finals where a couple of hundred people go in and they all crowd around the same area and they see no precautions really been taken after games where you know crowds are going onto the pitch and people are hugging and over-celebrating and so on. I just wonder if maybe this is going to be a period that the GA can learn from because the most important thing in many ways, Joe, is that there's a good chance these club games will be played probably after inter-county if all gets to go back going, touch and wood. But the inter-county season has been saved somewhat by the government not going to the NEF it suggested level five because had Ireland gone to level five on Monday... There would have been no collective training allowed whatsoever, no elite sport matches, at least at level three. There's a chance that the inter-county season gets underway later this month. Yeah, but they also think, you know, from the government recommendations, sport, particularly amateur sport like ours, would have been fairly low down the list. It's the fact that the guidelines were drawn um, paired together so intangible that, you know, elite sports, we played our sports behind closed doors along with, uh, you know, pubs with restrictions and wet pubs and food and stuff like that. So... If they were to kind of go to level four, the GA will get over it. You know, we'll want to play, we want to get back, but we can wait. Whereas if you close down a pub, if you close down a wet pub, if you close down a food house, a restaurant, cafe, like beyond the GA, you're talking professional people's lives. And I think they've had enough hurt that 
it's going to be a hugely tough rest of this year for them and indeed next year and you're facing multiple closures. So I don't think the GA came into it as such in their thinking. I think it's a bonus territory that there was some bit of sporting leeway given in terms of the intercounty season. But I think, and I'd be in the boat that it's most important that small businesses are supported and are kept open. And I think the GA, it just it happened to be in that category um, as a sporting organisation. But I just think if they had went to level four or five, you're going into serious, serious issues, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the financial people. And a lot of our people, you know, that, that I heard with a lot of my people that, you know, we visit in other clubs, they're small businesses, they're self-employed, they're, they're publicans, they're restaurateurs, they're, they're cafe owners. And a lot of them are involved in the hospitality sector. They have to get up and go to work. You know, I spent last night probably worried about my own work, you know, what mm. what happens and what way businesses react. So, look, I think the sporting organisations were fortunate. They're in the level three category and there will be a future for them. But I think people's livelihoods have to come first. Yeah, and I guess, Joe, like everything's interconnected here. You know, every team we've been talking about in county finals over the last week and so on are sponsored by a local business or a local pub or someone's pumping the money in to make sure that they get the kits for county final day and so on. And these pubs are going to be reliant probably on those who are playing our sports here in Offaly uh, to get back and support those businesses afterwards. I think one of the things that would have been very hard if we'd gone back into effectively lockdown 2.0, if it had gone to level five, is that a lot of businesses in Offaly were heavily affected at the tail end of August by the regional lockdown that took place in Leash, Offaly and Kildare. Really, it's only been a few weeks that businesses have been able to get back up on their feet. It would have been a huge blow to be back under lockdown conditions again. Yeah, and even look, um, obviously there are celebrations or commiserations after a county final, but it's not all about that. It's great in normal uh, circumstances to mix with the with the players you've soldiered with after. But like taking my own parish here, like Grennan's down the road, um, you know, they sponsored us um, in terms of getting a bit of gear and also the local pub in the Five Valley, the Five Valley Inn. And they're only back open. They're just getting back onto their feet. And, you know, we would have been able to have an outdoor marquee, bring in caterers just to feed the players, allow us a few drinks to support uh, that public house back. You know, the Five Valley has restaurant facilities down there. And we were hoping to be able to um, repay the support that they've given us in terms of uh, sponsorship of, of some gear. But even if the final had gone ahead, we couldn't have repaid that. So thereafter, getting their business back open, handing us out a check as a club to, to you know, to support the players, and then you can't even give it back, even in a small way. So it's a, it's vitally, um, it's it's vital that the spirit of the GA pass this supports local because you know the multinationals will all survive, but at the heart of every community is the GA club and, and sporting organisations, and laterally the businesses around it. So. Look, we're, we're after seeing it. There's been great goodwill here. There's been great goodwill. I know you see up in Kinnity, their jerseys there with, with Kieran Clements um, up in up in the sleeve, Bloom Bar. Local businesses need to be supported past this. And I just think we need to work together because, look, there's been enough dismay and enough um, upset. But I do think when things get back up on their feet, you'll see that the GA will go beyond the selfishness of the players wanting to play. It'll be looking outside to, you know, Mary or Johnny or Anne, can we do something for you and help support you? Yeah, well, look, hopefully those two senior hurling finals, which are due to take place this coming weekend and the underage competitions, particularly the under 20 competitions, which are due to take place over the next few weeks and to be played out to a conclusion, can be finished. I get the feeling it will be after the intercounty season now, uh, but if that's possible, at least we'll get them finished out and uh, we can kind of put this year behind us. Because everything that's happened, Joe, you know, between the localised lockdown, slowing things down a little bit, uh, the fact that the season's been squeezed into such a short window, we said with many of the players we've been talking to, you're almost thankful at this point that the campaign will get finished out. Oh, absolutely. And I'm thankful for sport on television. I'm thankful for national sport. I'm thankful for all the codes we have. Um, I'm thankful that I'm healthy and my family's healthy. Um, I'm thankful 
you know, that there's been no real incidents in, in the club or the greater area that anyone that has contracted COVID-19 in, in the greater Offaly area, that they've recovered or will be fatalities, of course. But I'm happy that we're safe. I'm happy that we're able to talk about sport. I'm happy that even if I wasn't able to play, that we're able to to watch it. And we have so many mediums now, people are watching more sport and listening to more sport. But as I said, I'd be also happy to get back when it's fully safe to get back. But, you know, there can be a lot of negative press. But I, I think uh, as communities go, the GA have been to the forefront in that. You know, they have made mistakes, like other walks of life, like colleges, like everything else. So I just think um, we have to stay going. We have to stay following the instructions as best we can um, and realise if, you know, they can't blame BlackRock for everything that happened. They made a mistake at the weekend. It was fierce bad publicity. It was irresponsible. But they can't be tired with the brush that, you know, they caused this lockdown because there'll be people across all sectors of of, of life in Ireland making mistakes. So, you know, we move on, we reassess the situation and hopefully we can come out the far side of it, God willing, everyone healthy and, and back looking forward to, you know, a 2021 and a new level playing field. Okay, well, on this week's pod, we had intended up until kind of lunchtime on Monday, our plan was to do a bumper preview of the hurling finals this coming weekend. Obviously, that's off currently uh, because the games aren't going to be played unless there's some kind of uh, dramatic U-turn by the GA later in the week. If they do, I'll promise you right now, Joe and I will do a special pod later in the week and we'll look forward to the finals if that's to happen. Uh, But I think we're probably better off to maybe keep the powder dry and do those previews a bit closer to when the games actually take place. So coming up over the next kind of 40 minutes or so, what we're going to be doing is a lot of focus on the football finals from the weekend just gone by. And we had a couple of listeners last week saying, hey, lads, you did a big preview and you gave a big G up to the Senior A final. Why didn't you talk about the Senior B? Well, we're going to talk about the Senior B. Uh, you probably saw Jack Fogarty's goal for Duro particularly, which is getting a lot of traction online this week already. Uh, Leo Messi, it's been compared to when he takes the ball down on the wing, uh, dribbles it back in, then goes past the goalkeeper and scores. Uh, left Niall Smith trailing as he tried to tackle him on the way through. Uh, we'll just play a short video of that to get you in the mood for their football review. Here's what happened when the ball broke down around the left touchline and Jack decides not to pick the ball up. Commentary here by Brian Gavin. So Jerry Spollin with this. Uh, and we saw Jerry before the game taking the drills for Dora and warming them up. And there's a long ball. Can it be kept in play? I don't. I think it will be by it can by Jack Fogarty. Good work by Fogarty. He's going to force in to, to Smith to foul him. I think he has the legs on him and he goes uh, through. Still Jack Fogarty playing soccer the whole way. In. Shot and a goal by Jack Fogarty. Well, we might see it in the San Siro or the Viva Stadium. But what a fantastic goal! So that was part of Duro's victory against Gracefield on Sunday afternoon. Duro back up to the senior ranks after their 2-13 to two goals and five points win against Gracefield at Borden Mono O'Connor Park. We will be talking to the Roscommon Heralds and Offaly man Kevin Egan in a little bit about Shane Curran's tweet, which happened on Saturday night quite late, uh, looking for the game between Duro and Gracefield to be postponed. When that didn't happen, he had a bit of a cut at the Offaly County board. And then he was not on the sideline for the game when Duro won on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about that situation and the Offaly County Board and Michael Dignan's reaction to it uh, with Kevin Egan in a few minutes' time. But we'll keep our focus on what happened on the field, Duro's win against Gracefield. Uh, we saw a clip there of Jack Fogarty, Joe. Uh, fantastic piece of skill, I thought, because sometimes it's not uh, in your best interest to try and stoop and get the ball in a difficult situation, You know, particularly if the pitch gets a little bit muddy or a little bit wet. But Jack decided, I'm going to take this along in the ground and show his soccer skills to put the ball in the net. Yeah, and there's been so much about it on social media and, and shared across such a platform, which is huge, because I've seen some international kind of sports sites there, the likes of Benchwarmers that are verified users, even shared that this evening. But the whole giddiness about, you know, 
he should have picked it up. He should have been ashamed of himself. He shouldn't be let play a sort of a six-match band, you know, because <laughs> traditional side of GA. But a fantastic piece of skill because in Brian Gavin, Gavin's commentary, you think that the ball was going to go out over the line. Um, I watched it the other day and I watched it back a couple of times since. The way he came in, I'd say Nigel Smith, that last minute, he just wanted to take the legs out from under him, but his knees seemed to nearly jar on the ground and he had to, to slip. And it was a I'm great glad pick. he didn't, though, Joe, because if he had taken him out, it's a free about 15 metres out, which probably gets pointed, and we don't get to see the great goal. Like, I'm glad a cynical piece of play didn't happen there. Yeah, but you see, you nearly feel uh, in a GA sense that uh, when someone is taking you on soccer style, you nearly want to chop the legs out from under them because, you know, things that are frowned, you know, headers, bicycle kicks, uh, you know, playing it along the ground, it's just frowned upon a GA, but a fantastic piece of skill. And, you know, he, it's it's been rightly shared and shared and shared. But I go back to Doro. Um, I commentated on one of their games um, earlier on in the year with, with um it was uh, Alamal Hall's father and also Matt Garrity. And I thought Dora that night were very, very, very impressive. They were slick. They beat Walsh Island comprehensively on that night. And since that, I know they had a dramatic semi-final where Kevin McDormand got the winner. But they've looked very confident. A lot of fine footballers. Um, I know, and I won't maybe let the cat out of the bag, but John Mohan did name drop a few of them to me uh, in commentary of the Senior A football semi-finals. And a really exciting team. Look, it's disappointing for Gracefield because they've also done some of their matches. And you know, Jack Walsh and Jamie Evans and Craig Dunn, like they have a real... A real busy midfield, centre forward, full forward combination. They interchange quite well. Uh, look, particularly Jack Walsh and Jamie Evans kicking some fantastic scores. And Gracefield, after getting to that last hurdle now, a good few times and not getting over. And it becomes, you know, they're, they're a proud club as well. But sometimes Carlos Slattery lined out for them and uh, so often with Offaly as well. Since they've kind of got relegated, they've got it hard to get it together and get back up to senior A level. But Thorough were a team that, you know, they were senior in 2018. They went down. They weren't going to spend too long down because they weren't an agent squad. They've had, you know, brilliant success with Valamir and the hurling, the underage, the under set up, you know, coming on with Dora in the football. They've had those dual players and they're a breath of fresh air. And much like Bracknell going up and I know Bracknell set up, Dora won't be looking to parachute back down, up and down this division. I think Dora, like Valamir and the hurling, and they're all the one club, club of course, um, only what they play their trade in, in football and hurling. I think they have a serious potential to kick on. They have exciting players. Um, they play a lovely brand of football. I just think that the more you look at them, um, they're progressive. If they can stay that year, who knows what they'll achieve. You're, you're hard to go to Gracefield. You know, it, it was a comprehensive early win for Doro in the end. Maybe the whole yeah, after stuff. I was surprised it wasn't a bit closer than it was. Like Doro were in control for most of that game, really. Yeah, and look, the two games I seen Doro in, I did say... And obviously, with, with people um, with more football relevance than me had said, yeah, Dora are the team to beat. And Matt Garrity was quite sweet on him that night. And I did kind of say, you know, I, I think it'd take a good team to, to beat Dora from what I had seen. And, I, uh, you know, conversely, I had covered two of Gracefield's matches as well. And they played some fine football. I think people expected it to be a lot closer than it was. Maybe the off-field stuff might have galvanised the Dora club because... The players obviously wanted to play. They obviously felt they were in a position to play and that they were safe to play because I know, you know, speaking from experience, if even if they're only number 15 and number 23 in our panel, if two of our players contracted it and we were told, lads, you have to stay at home, we're going to play without you, I wouldn't be happy as a teammate because it, much like the door, lads, you've trained with these guys since January or February. You know, if, if people are ruled out of playing, you're not going to go and play without them. So Doro obviously felt, one, that the precautions were taken. Two, they got clearance from the HSC and, and the county board to play this final. And and fourth of all, that 
they felt galvanised and wanted to play the final and, and felt safe in doing so. So, look, there's you can only go with the hearsay that is uh, out there. You know, Shane Curran obviously put out a couple of late night tweets. Um, it's something the GA probably both you and I at different stages, maybe particularly me. You learn from doing that. You know, you can tweet stuff in in anger and haste, and it'll come back and you have to rectify it. But you know, if Michael Dignan's statement today at the Irish Independent, if that's factually correct, um, and I'd have to say with the guidance that Offaly GA has given. Uh, through the CCC and the management committee so far, they've liaised uh, through the clubs and with the HSE throughout. So if Michael Dignan's statement holds up as as true, well then we just had a brilliant performance from Doro and all the other stuff outside of it is of no relevance at this stage because it'd be wholly irresponsible if they played in a situation of what Shane Curran suggested. I'd be very disappointed um, as a GA person if it happened, but the more you look into it, all parties seem to have been satisfied and going back to the football, I think I think Doro have a massive future up at Senior A. Um, obviously, there's a huge gap between the likes of what we seen with Rowe yesterday to a team coming up. But I think they're at the age profile. They have the drive, the pace and ambition where Doro could become a force over the next couple of years. Yeah, and look, I hope that the lads who are feeling unwell in Doro and who went and got tested are going to get back negative tests or if they have picked up COVID-19, I hope that those lads make a swift recovery and are going to be okay. It's not an easy situation when you go out into a field without two lads of soldiers with you for the year who aren't available on the big day because county final days are what everyone is prepared for. I wonder as well, Joe, if maybe Doro, given everything that transpired on Monday and the fact the games were pulled down afterwards, they might be thankful when they look back on it that the game did take place on Sunday and wasn't pushed back by a week because that week could easily have become a couple of months now. It becomes an entirely different game. I know the conditions weren't hectic the other day, but still, there's a bit of giving that ground. You know, you and I both stepped to O'Connor Park last week when, when Jim Kelly was out preparing it for these finals. So we know how good the ground is. It's not like if you come up and play it in maybe a rural field where there's not that quality of sand based underneath it, there's not that quality of sod. They still had a reasonably fastish surface um, to run on. Whereas if you play a final in November and hurling or football or on to December or maybe even January, it becomes an entirely different game essentially a game of luck because you know conditions can really go against you your fast skillful small players can be taken out of it uh, that bit more easier so i think of course doro um would be delighted the game went ahead but i just think fully on merit on the day they deserved it i did expect a closer game and maybe more out of grace probably the way doro shut them down too yeah, well, Duro won that game against Gracefield, two goals and 13 points to two goals and five. Elsewhere at the weekend, there was two finals on Saturday. Dangan beat Tullamore in the Junior A final by 111 to nine points. And the Intermediate Football final was a meeting really of two clubs who've been more prominent on the hurling side of things in recent times. It was a warm-up match for many of the players who are going to be involved in the Senior Hurling final. But St. Ryan has just about held off Kilcormacalai by nine points to 1-4 in the second of the finals in Tullamore on Saturday. Uh, that brings us round to some reaction from the game between Doro and Gracefield. As I promised a few of our listeners on Facebook last week that we would be doing a quite extensive coverage of the Senior B final. Well, let's get a bit of analysis of the final itself from the Offaly GA TV commentary team. Uh, this was former Offaly goalkeeper Laz Malloy who was speaking to Brian Gavin after the game. So it's ended here in O'Connor Park in Tullamore and it's the men from Dura who have uh, regained senior A status with a fantastic win over the men from Gracefield. I'm joined uh, Laz Malai to sum up that game. Dura from start to finish in very difficult conditions were by far the better team. Yeah, and uh, not easy for them coming in having to make a critical decision to, to change their goalkeeper, which is obviously a pivotal position. And uh, just glancing down through the team and with the help of hindsight now, 
Doro didn't seem to have any weak link on the team at all. You, you couldn't look out and say that any Gracefield fellow was doing a number on any of the on any of the Doro players, and in particular, their full back line, I think, and and their um, full forward line were completely on top. Now, Bobby O'Dea was coming up against what Gracefield would consider their strong section in Niall Smith and. Uh, uh, Craig Dunn but uh, Bobby O'Dea got on a lot of ball and he also scored two points from play which was a great contribution from the middle of the field but they had a good spread of, of uh, scores like uh, Jack Fogarty came on and got a goal and Mihal Mooney got two points and the three boys on the full forward line so they, they had a good spread on it but from start to finish as you said yourself Durham were the better team and the better balance Gracefield were in trouble on the half forward line I felt almost after 10 minutes and they did do their best, in fairness to the management, to, uh, to change the lads around and try and break it up a bit, and even, uh, I think, replace the three lads to start it on the half-forward line. But um, I, I think in the day that was in it, with the conditions being so bad, had they put um, Jamie Evans or even tried Niall Smith on the full-forward line with Stephen Flanagan, 15. Stephen Flanagan seemed to have a bit about him, he scored two points from play and break up the play a bit because they were trying to put the ball through their hands and it wasn't working at all. Uh, like Dora had nothing but probably, I wouldn't say a controversy, but they hadn't the ideal preparation coming into it. Obviously with COVID-19, things were in a little bit tricky situation. Their manager Shane Corn, you know, came out with a statement on Twitter. He wasn't comfortable playing the game. In fairness to Offaly GA, they followed the HSC guidelines. Unlucky for Stephen Fitzgerald and both Dan Weir. But as I said, uh, Dora had that panel and they will be, you know, they'll be very happy to back at Senior A. And to have a pool of footballers at that age, which is the right age, are physically fit and sharp. Yeah, and <clears throat> you presented yourself, you, you mentioned it there in commentary, the dual club thing. I don't know how many of these guys plays on the Ballinamere Dora Hurland team, but if they're able to keep that team together, uh, there's a bit of balance to them. And uh, like they made three or four changes from the semi final, and the semi final had three or four changes from the previous week. So they've shown that they have a, a core 20, 22, 23 players and there's not a lot between any of them and they're all well capable of playing at this level. A lot of those fellas would have played minor or under 21 with awfully teams down through the years. And, uh, you know, I'm sure John Mahon and these fellas would be looking to find and pick up a few fellas in different clubs. We all know who's in Road and Tullamore and places like that. But if they were to pick up a couple of lads in a place like Dora, it would be a big help to the Offaly going forward. Finally, Laz, I suppose there was a lot of contenders for man of the match. I suppose uh, I thought Jack O'Brien was outstanding. The whole back line, uh, Jerry Spollum was very good. Bobby O'Dea, as you said, in the middle of the field. And then up front, I suppose, Kevin McDermott and uh, Michal Mooney, who come on and kicked two pints. But I'd say McDermott over the hour was probably the difference between Dora winning and losing this game. Yeah, I thought he managed the game very well. He, he was very clever. Uh, I noticed the first free he took out of his hands over the bar and the one a little, a little bit further out the next one he took it off the ground. His free actually just before half time then contributed into the guy poking the ball into the net. But I thought um, the Dura forwards were much better at getting back out the field and containing Gracefield if they were turned over. I thought the Gracefield forward six didn't help their backs either. They let, they let the the Dura backs out with the ball far too handy and uh, obviously that caused problems further up the field than for Gracefield. But uh, you have to say on the day that the, the best team won.
So that's the view of Laz Malai, former Awfully uh, goalkeeper. He was called down one day over stand to say of Awfully's there, but that's the thoughts. And it's Dora who are back in the Senior A Football Championship, and they will be a formidable outfit for any team in the Senior A Championship next year. So well done to the men from Dora on returning to the Senior A Championship. Deserve victories in the Tullamore Court Senior B Final for 2020. So that was Laz Malloy reflecting on Duro's victory against Gracefield. We can hear from the Duro camp now. Here's their captain, Kevin McDermott. So I'm joined now by uh, Duro captain, Kevin McDermott. Kevin, great smile on your face. Fantastic result for Duro today. Played fantastic football. Uh, proud captain. I am uh, very proud of the team. Like We put in the work and we thought we had the work done by the start of the year. and Everyone put in the work from the get-go and... We knew we'd be able to get there eventually, and thankfully it was our day today. You scored six points yourself today, four from freeze. You, you set the foundation with your performance in the first half. Yeah, we started, we, we were taking it in 15 minutes, reassess the water break and keep going again, and thankfully we paid off and we kept going, kept driving on once we got that first score, and just thankfully worked for us today. At the start of the year, you had a new manager, Shane Curran. What was your ambition or what was your aim at the start of the year? Was it to win the senior B or be as competitive as you can? What was the talk in them training sessions early on? Well, before all this COVID, anyways, we, our ambition was to win an All-Ireland. We basically said, we're going for the All-Ireland. We, we wrote off everything. And then after the COVID, it was like, we're winning this senior B. And... Unfortunately, he wasn't here today. He's protecting his own family. I can understand where he's coming from, but he drove us on the whole year, him and Owen Mooney, and they were a huge help to us at the start of the year. We were delighted to have them. Shane Curran's tweets, which happened late at night on October the 3rd, that was on Saturday night, Shane Curran said, without a doubt, the most difficult tweet I've ever had to publish. I've taken a decision to step away from county final tomorrow in light of blatant disregard to public health of players by Duro GAA, Gracefield GAA, by Offaly GAA. He said, we're either serious or not about COVID-19. Two positive tests in the club followed up today with another close contact player. The result will be Monday at earliest. Respect for players and club bordering on scandalous disregard for public health safety. No reference to HSE protocols. Precedent in Kerry not followed. And then he said, I asked the following question. Why are these players, families, clubs, officials put at risk when there's a known positive case and close contact in the system? Reckless endangerment with little or no respect for players. No club should be put in this position on the eve of a final. Kevin Egan, before I read out Offaly GA's response to that, that was quite a big statement that Shane Curran made on Saturday night. Ah, yeah. I mean, if you're the manager of a team in a county final and you're not going to show up, that's not a decision anyone takes lightly. Um, even allowing for, I mean, as people this side of the Shannon would know, Shane Curran is a man capable of controversy at the best of times, but that was not a decision he was going to take lightly. And when you start accusing a county board of endangering players or reckless endangerment, I think was the phrase that he put in. I mean, that's a pretty strong accusation. So, I mean, he, he shall we say, let's, let, let, he put, he put the game into the national spotlight straight away the second he did that. Yeah. So awfully GA released a statement early on the morning on Sunday when there was speculation and Kevin and I were among the journalists who were asking whether the game was going to take place or not. And Offaly GA released a statement, which I'll read to you now. Offaly GA would like to clarify the situation regarding Duro following speculation on social media. 
overnight. No member of the Duro Senior Football Panel has tested positive for COVID-19. Offaly GA were made aware of a positive case connected with the Duro Club that resulted in one senior panel member being identified as a close contact. This player was subsequently tested and has received a negative result. As per HSE guidelines, this player must restrict his movement for 14 days. At all times through the pandemic, Offaly GA has strictly followed HSE and GA guidelines in relation to COVID-19 and has consistently encouraged our clubs to do likewise. Since GA activities restarted in June, we've advised that the safe return to contact sports is the personal responsibility of each player and backroom member. We fully respect the individual choice of a person to step away at any time if they have a concern. And that was directed, of course, uh, at Shane Curran uh, due to the comments that he had made on Saturday night. Uh, your take on the situation, Kevin, and everything that played out in that kind of 12 or so hours before the teams were getting ready to take the pitch then? Yeah, well, look, the, obviously, in the as you say, in the 12 or 14 hours, there was a lot of uncertainty about, well, first of all, there was an awful lot of uncertainty about what the actual facts of the case were, because straight away you have that instant clash. You have Shane Curran's statement about how there are cases in Doro Club and the Offaly County Board saying there aren't. Um, so there you have one clash straight away. You have the issue of, you know, other how many other close contacts there are. Again, like, you know, so, so straight away, one, one, when you have a dispute over the facts, you have a difficult situation to begin with. Then on top of that, there is that Doro did contact the Offaly County Board initially, asking, for the, the, asking that the fixture be postponed. However, there was discussions over and back between Doro and the Offaly County Board, and ultimately Doro Club were happy to play the game, um, as evidenced by the fact that, OK, Shane Curran didn't show up for the match, Owen, uh, Owen Mooney is it? Um, is the, the selector, the, yeah. The, the coach and selector. He didn't show up, but, you know, the players did, the the two local selectors did. So, you know, the Doros as a club seemed happy enough to go ahead. So, I mean, on that basis, obviously it's difficult for you or I, I mean, short of having the HSE records in front of us, mm. we can't say specifically who had been diagnosed or who hadn't. But, you know, it seems to be the case that certainly that there were no actual positive cases within the Doro Club. That much definitely the Offaly County Board seems to be correct on. So on that basis, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue that it's certainly hard to argue that there was any there was any reason to call off the game at that stage. If you haven't had cases, I mean, look, yeah, you could talk about close contacts is an issue and all that. But if we start going down that road, I mean, in the current climate, no games would ever be played. Now, I know we're in a situation right now, no games might be played and the club voting for a long time. But we had, there was a Connacht Ladies Club Championship match here in the Roscommon Junior Champions were playing a Sligo team. They actually togged out with, I think it was either 17 or 18 players because they had six players were unavailable because of like that with taking tests, subject to test, close contact, all that. And the game had to go ahead because, you know, if you st in, in the current climate, there's so many people being tested that are being contacts. It'd be different if you were saying, OK, there is a positive case there. That's very, very different. But if you start saying that we, you, you need to have everyone available before you can play the game, it'd be very difficult things to go ahead. And important to point out that Duro didn't take to the field under duress yesterday for that final. Uh, they walked out to play a county final, which they'd agreed to play, which I think is a fairly mm. crucial point in all this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it is a thing, too, that like, you know, we all know how the GA works and we all know 
the way that the mindset of GA clubs and GA players is. And Dora would have been acutely aware that if they decided, no, we're not going to Tullamore on Sunday afternoon, we're not showing up for that fixture, there was no circumstance. I mean, I would be stunned if any club, and certainly not the Gracefield club, would have taken a county championship by a walkover in the final because the other club had players unavailable due to sickness. I mean, that I, I cannot see any circumstance where if Doro decided to dig their heels in, that the game wouldn't have been played at some point in the future. Gracefield, to, I mean, anytime I've known anything about them, they would be an honourable club. They wouldn't want to win a county championship that way. So they would have held off as well. There's no way they would have taken the cup in that circumstance. No, and nobody would ever want an asterisk beside their title because realistically, that's what it would be if you walked out and just accepted a win. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I mean, that was that was a, a massive game. Even aside from getting back up to senior A, which would be a massive thing for Gracefield. Like, you're talking, it's a full generation. Like, I, I've never been at Gracefield's first team winning a county title. Like, that would be a massive thing for that club. I mean, albeit like, you know, they have won senior championships and all that in the past, but for as long as I've been following Offaly games, which is a fair while now, you know, like I've seen them lose county county senior finals. I've never seen them win one. So for them to win a county senior final with their first team would have been a massive thing, you know. So they, there's no way they would have gone ahead. And Doro would have known that. So for Doro to take the field, they obviously were happy to play the game and felt they were in a reasonably good position. And I mean, obviously the result bears that out, but I know that that's incidental in its own way. Mm. Shane Curran, you know, ultimately was on the sideline, as you mentioned, uh, mm. for the game on Sunday afternoon. He has been reasonably consistent in his position, though. He maybe rolled back on the hard stance that he had on Saturday with some of the replies that he made, even to the statement that Offaly GA had put up on Sunday morning. He was on live line with Joe Duffy on mm. Monday afternoon. He was consistent when he was asked about the situation with clubs, and he was saying that really safety first has to come with COVID-19. Uh, he was saying that, you know, realistically, he'd like to see a situation where numbers come down and that you know players are still given an outlet to play, but that the first emphasis here is on uh, you know public health. How is Shane Curran, do you think, going to be remembered in all this, Kevin? Given that he was managing the team for the year, and then by his own decision, fourteen hours or so before the game, he decides not to be there. I wonder how Shane Curran's uh, role in all this is going to be remembered after all this. Shane is a very, very divisive figure, to be honest. And I mean, and I say this, I'll be perfectly honest, right? If you're, whether you're a club or a county, and if you're a management committee, you're signing on for a serious job of work if you decide, okay, we're going to appoint Shane Curran as our manager, because he'll be hard to deal with. Now, the other side of that is that he's been involved with an awful lot of teams, and he gets a tune out of all of them. Mm. I mean, no matter who he's involved with, he mightn't always win you the championship, but he'll put you in reasonably good nick to do so. And that is consistent with every team he's been involved with. I mean, even here in Offaly, you know, he went in to help out Dune for a while and they would speak very, very highly of him over there. You know, Riscommon underage teams, he's done quite well. Maybe not picked up a massive amount of silverware, but has done well. You know, did well when he was involved with Bridget's teams. Got Pierce's to a county final. Didn't get them over the line. But again, Pierce's players would say they improved as an actual coach, he's very, very good. So ultimately, you know, within the Doro club in particular, I'd say there will be recognition there that, you know, the reason they were in such good form, the reason they got, he was a huge part of why they got to that county final, 
he was a huge part of why they were in good form and they were able to play so well and score 213 on a day when let's face it like Rode and Tullamore after it didn't make scoring look easy um so you know they were in very very good shape when they got there so Shane Kern will ultimately take credit for that you know he will and rightly so he will take credit for that and I would say that will be the legacy the rest of it you know will probably be dismissed to a degree as Shane being Shane you know being honest about it like he he is as you said he is consistent I mean I was trying to get in touch with him on the morning eventually I was talking to him at 12 o'clock so at that stage if he was going to be there he was going to be in Tullamore at that stage and no he was sitting at home he was sitting at home in cam and that's where he was watching that's where he was going to watch the game he felt sounds like he had no temptation Kevin to have a last minute U-turn then no, no, no. That was that was never going to happen. I wouldn't have expected that on. I wouldn't have expected that of him. Um, but certainly, no. It wasn't a consideration because it was the first thing I asked him was, "No, listen. If you're in the car and you're on the way over, I don't want you crashing the car on my account." And he said, "No, no. I won't be talking out of the two sides of my mouth. I don't feel this game should be going ahead, and I don't want to legitimise it by being there." Right. So okay. that was his thing. Well, Michael Dignan spoke to the Irish Independent. He was also on RT radio and the two interviews are fairly consistent in terms of what he said. But at the Independent, he said, quote, I don't know where these claims came from. These were Shane Kern's comments. I don't know where the basis of the timelines and some of the things that are being quoted came from. None of this has happened. He said the CCC consider all these things in savage detail. Their loyalty is unbelievable and their straightness and their honesty in all of this is being called into question. It's very disappointing. And maybe Shane wasn't aware of all the facts. One of the things, Kevin, like Michael Dyken ends up in a kind of a slightly awkward situation, not by his own fault here, given that Duro are the club involved, where mm, it's clearly a club they're very close to him. His son scores a couple of points during the game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But the other side of that, too, is, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say Michael wouldn't speak out of turn unless he was fairly comfortable. You know, he he's obviously feels he's on sure footing when he's talking here. Mm. So, again... You know, look, it all boils down to this. You know, we have a dis- disagreement. We have two different sides on how many close contact on how many close contacts there were, on was there actually a case in Doro Club or was there not? And you know, the, the Offaly County Board is fairly consistent. I'll put it this way: there doesn't seem to be anyone else coming in to back up Shane's version. That's yeah. all I can say on that. You know, and that's that's the, that's the way it's gone so far. But I mean, at the end of the day, like. Shane Kern is the manager. The club is Doro GA Club, and Doro GA Club were happy to field. You know, I mean, it 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 doesn't really go any further than that. And you know, and and from what I understand as well too, like I mean, there was, um, you know, one of the players that's involved. You know, that like Doro were quite adamant that that player, the the, the player that was the close contact, or that may or may not have been a close contact, shall we say, depending on who you listen to. Mm. Doro were still adamant that player didn't go to the game. You know, they still made sure that didn't happen. You know, and obviously, like we've seen, there were other parts of the GA that didn't cover themselves in glory over the weekend in terms of respecting COVID protocols and what needs to be done. I mean, obviously, we've all seen the scenes in Cork, and now we're hearing about a player taking part in a county final in Waterford when he was waiting on a test and subsequently tested or waiting on test results and subsequently tested positive afterwards having played in the game so you know there's other aspects don't seem to have handled it quite well from what i can tell it's hard to pick holes in anything that offley or doro ga club did here 
Yeah, and look, fingers crossed the lads in Duro who were awaiting test results are going to get good news and it'll be negative. And lads who have picked up COVID-19, hopefully they make a, a full recovery and everything's going to be okay for them. It's horrible for two lads uh, to have to miss out on the county mm. final day, particularly when you know you win a senior title and you're young lads and you've got the chance to get your hands on a piece of silver where it can't be easy watching your mates do that on the TV. In terms of watching the match itself, Kevin, you know, an eight-point win for Duro, very impressive. I thought Gracefield and Duro was going to be quite close, but uh, you were at uh, O'Connor Park yesterday I was watching it on the stream uh, during the start of my uh, radio program and I was really impressed by the way Dura were moving the ball around on a day when it was difficult conditions, soft underfoot, the rain started coming down during that senior B and they moved the ball around beautifully. Oh yeah, but like this goes back to what I was saying before, like I mean, you know, like I said, Shane Curran, you can say anything you like about him, but as an actual football coach, he's excellent and he was a, he was a goalkeeper himself as an awful lot of coaches and managers seem to be, but he is very much into proper attacking football. You know, he'll he'll hit you, he'll he's and hit on the break if that's the right thing to do with his team. But he will coach you how to play properly. He had a very young, fit, mobile panel there to work with when he walked into the club. So it was exactly the kind of raw material that would suit him. You know, and he was like that. He got them playing together very well. They created scoring chances. They knew when to kick the ball, when to run at their man, you know. And I mean, that's obvious. That's an underused weapon sometimes when you've when you've sometimes people think as you go into the winter, you know, you need to keep the ball moving, you know, run at your man when you're free. Like it's difficult. It might be difficult to kick on the run in wet conditions. It's difficult to tackle too. And you know, they won their freeze. They kicked their freeze. I mean, you know, look, Jack Fogarty's goal got an awful lot of coverage across social media today for obvious reasons. But uh, I saw a few people suggesting maybe that's why the lockdown took place to stop that kind of carry on. But that being said, but the rest of their scores were largely very, very well worked, very, very well finished. It's a talented panel he has there. They have and they've, they've done well for they've done well under him. Absolutely. It is going to be tricky, though, I guess, to try and a lot of these young lads are playing at a high level in two sports currently uh, with hurling and football. Some of them run the even on the intercounty hurling panel at the moment. They play at a high level for Balnamir. It's trying to find that balance, I guess, is going to be the tricky part for both Balnamir and Duro over the next while, given that Duro are now dining at the top table in football again. Ah, yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult. And again, I say this as a Forban native, like I've seen what is required, you know, for Forban and Belmont to coexist. And like, I mean, that those two clubs have done brilliantly because the amount of crossover is phenomenal. I know some people in Belmont might argue that, okay, well, they haven't got over the line the same way Forban has and maybe they would have. But the simple fact of the matter is that if both clubs pushed harder, guys would be pulled in opposite directions and they'd both be weaker off. So you need to have a very, very fine balance. And that goes back... 99% of the time goes back to the club committees to be able to say to a manager and say, look, this is how things are going to be. Your job is to coach the team, but, you know, the structure is it's a football week, hurling week, football week, hurling week. That's how it goes. And, like, there have been instances in Forban and Belmont where one or two managers might say, oh, look, our upcoming game is more important than the other lads and they might kind of push a little bit as managers will do and in both cases the clubs have stepped up and said no that's not how it's going to be this has to be perfectly maintained and there has to be absolute parity of esteem and complete respect for the structure that we put in place to make sure that lads can keep playing both 
And if you do that, it's and if you do that, it works. It absolutely works. And the two clubs will be better off because it does feed off one another. And you know, obviously it helps when you're winning games. That helps make sure energy levels keep up. But lads get in the habit, they get used to doing it. And ultimately, like no different to Forban and Belmont. I mean, if the guys from the if the guys who would be, shall we say, if they were forced to choose would be football first were taken away from Belmont, Belmont would be at nothing, and vice versa in Forban. Um and it'll be the same for Balnamir and Doro. Like Doro are going in into a senior A championship now. We've seen that, you know, ultimately there's four or five clubs at the top that seem that little bit further away. Now, Clara getting relegated would suggest maybe, you know, and Gracefield last year getting relegated would suggest maybe the gap is being bridged a little bit. But at the same time, Doro have ground to make to have ground to make up, and they're only going to be able to do that if they have their best players available. And the same applies for Balnamir who are getting closer to making a breakthrough of their own. Like, they're putting in very, very impressive performances. Like, Balnamir in particular are really not that far off where they need to be to be contending for a Sean Robbins Cup. But again, the same thing applies. They need the guys who would be football-first guys to make up that team and to make sure they have a sufficiently strong panel. And it it absolutely can be done. It 100% can be done. Kevin, when it comes to Gracefield, they would have wanted to make a swift return back to senior level. It's going to be a bit of a dogfight, I would say, in senior B next year because many people will make Clara favourites given the quality of players they have, given their tradition. But look at that Gracefield team. Plenty of current county players, ex-county players. I mean, Gracefield should really be in the mix to try and win senior B again next season. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the only thing is, like, by far, by far, the... If you've been relegated, the easiest year to win it is the first year you've gone down. Because psychologically, you can tell the guys in your dressing room, whether it's senior A down to senior B, senior B down to intermediate, whatever it is, you can say, look, you know, I suppose like the American thing, we're all temporary embarrassed millionaires. There's no poor people. You know, we're not a senior B team. We're a senior A team who had a bad year. Mm. You know, and that'll be the mindset in Clara next year. They'll say that, like, look, we're good enough to get out of this. It won't. That, I'm not saying that'll be a complacency. But, you know, I, I've done this when you'd be looking at games. I've obviously done a bit of work for bookmakers and stuff before. And it is always the case that the easiest year to get back up is year one. Year two, now you kind of have to face into something and say, OK, well, maybe this is our level now. You know, maybe we need to. Add, it's not a case of we need to just we'll bounce back if we do the right things. We actually have to start doing something different. And that'll be the hard thing for Gracefield because they'll have to look at things and they'll have to say, OK, right. We're not a senior A team that had a bad year in 2019. We're, you know, we're now in senior B and we lost to a senior B team in last year's county final and lost by eight points. Mm. So they now need to go back, whether it's Dingle Daly still over them or somebody else in charge. Obviously, that's a matter for them, but they'll need to go back and it won't be a case of, oh, we need to tighten up a few little things. It'll be, okay. we need to get eight points better. That's not an easy thing to do. There's no question in terms of personnel they have some very, very good players. Oddly enough, I don't know if they have the depth that even a, even Adoro would have. You know, I would say that their best four or five players, absolutely more than good enough to win a senior B championship and more. But whether the last two or three names on the team sheet are of the sufficient standard or the first two or three guys you bring in, that's where they might need to find a little bit of improvement because... Gracefield tend to bring along one or two guys into their panel every year. 
it's been a long time since I would recall that they've brought in a batch of young lads to really freshen up a team. And, you know, looking at the underage results in the county, there's no great evidence that they have a batch coming, you know, at any stage soon either. So they're going to have to engineer things a little bit differently. They have the resources, absolutely. Um, but, you know, this will be a difficult one for them to get over because, like I said, it, it'll require a little bit of introspection now. And I'll be interested to see how they come out of it. Yeah, Dingle Daly's own club. You were there to watch uh, Road against Tullamore in the senior final too. And I just think, look, remarkable when you look at Alan McNamee, particularly 22 years since his first county final. He's got 12 winners medals now at this point. He comes in and plays such a crucial role. When we were all talking about what, how Road were going to use him, was he going to be held back till the second half? Were they going to drop him in at some point where maybe an impact was needed? Was he going to be a sub and maybe a guy who might come back off? The tracksuit top is whipped off a few minutes before throwing time, Kevin, and then he comes to start the game. And I thought he had a pretty big impact for Road when he started too. Oh, huge, huge. I mean, I, I wasn't keeping stats on the game, so I won't give a number, but there's no question. In terms of primary kickouts, one, he won far more than any of the other three midfielders, probably about as many as the other three put together. Um, now, in some of that, I thought Tullamore actually, being honest, did a poor job of trying to spoil him under the kickout because Ken Gary looked for him often. You know, he did that little kind of slight run out to kind of halfway between the 45 and 65. I mean, you know, we're looking at it for 20 years. We're looking at him doing that for 20 years. He did it and definitely he took, I'm going to say conservatively, a half a dozen marks easily. It was probably closer to 10 you know, or something like that. Like, he was a fantastic source of possession. Um, you know, he's still some very, very good distribution. Now, distribution wasn't easy yesterday at all. Oh, it's a it, wet it, ball. It's a mucky yeah. day. It's not easy. Yeah, and, you know, and, like, it's not like normal where you can just send that lovely bouncy ball in in front of a corner forward. You know, on a day like yesterday, it's going to skid away or, you know, it's an awful lot easier for a cornerback to get a hand in and just get that little knock away. Oh no, he had he had a huge impact on the game. Um, you know, look, they're 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 a remarkable club because again, I remember looking at last year's county final, and again, not unlike the situation I was saying with Gracefield, I thought the biggest thing Forban had over them in 2019 was Road didn't have a massive bench, which was unusual from what we're used to, but you know they just didn't have. Now I know obviously Niall McNamee's injury was a huge part of that. I mean. Again, we talk about all the county medals Alan McNamee had. I mean, I, I don't know how many county man of the match, county final man of the match awards Niall has. I think it's officially seven he's got, Kevin, which is remarkable. <laughs> like that, that, that's a farcical statistic, like. That's, that's ridiculous. You know, I, but, you know, at the same time, you would have looked and said, okay, they have some guys. Now, I saw Roy Malone's tweet about everyone writing them off. I'd love to know who he thinks wrote them off. Like, I mean, that did not happen anywhere. But, but it's, it's an important narrative to have, though, if you're in a club. And I think genuinely there is that feeling there. Look, I'll admit that I've definitely thought that this team has been coming towards an end of a cycle because there's only so long that, say, the likes of, you know, Alan McNamee, Dal McNamee, the Derbys, that core group of players who've been there for so much of their success over the last 20 years will at some point come towards the end of their run. And mm. there's only so long that young players can come through. But... Then someone like Aaron Keelan pops up over the last couple of years and looks such a promising young player. And maybe just one injection like that is enough to just keep you ticking over. Uh, no. <laughs> Go on, you, you make the argument about depth, so. 
Okay, no, 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 no. I'm not making the argument about depth at all because road will manage in terms of depth because even when road don't have great numbers, the quality of coaching in that club is so good that they will turn ordinary 12-year-olds into quite capable and competent 19 and 20-year-olds. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Keelan is that whatsoever, you know, but I'm saying that, like, Road will create... There, there were other guys, I thought, that did step up and play big games yesterday that weren't the big names. Um, Dylan Cavan, I thought, was very, very good alongside Alan McNamee in midfield at the hard work stuff, for example. Like, he's not a guy that... I'll be honest, I would have looked at before and thought he's an outstanding footballer, but Road have got him playing a very, very important role and doing it very, very well. My concern for Road is that, okay, the guys you've named are the elite guy. The problem is you're trying to replace a handful of guys that are, you know, if not the best footballer in the county at any given time, they're in the top five or six. You know, it takes... You know, guys like that don't come along very, very often. And I mean, like we just said it, like would, would Forban have won last year's county final if Niall McNamee was fit? We can't say that with any degree of certainty. Like, as you said, seven Man of the Match awards in county finals. How many of those county finals would Road not have won if Niall McNamee wasn't there? And like, don't get me wrong, Aaron Keelan is a talented footballer, but like Niall McNamee is the best footballer off you've had since Matt Connor, or the best scorer off you've had since yeah. Matt Connor. And to so, be fair, Niall McNamee at Aaron Keelan's age was an elite inter-county footballer even at that yes. time. Yeah, you know, like Niall McNamee made his inter-county debut as a minor, you know, and played against Leash in Moor Park and scored two points as a minor. You know, like that's, and, and that was at a time when Offaly and Leash were Leinster Championship contending sides. Mm. So it's not the case that Road won't produce sufficient good players. It's that replacing guys like that will be almost impossible. Um, you know, unless you're lucky enough to have the next talisman coming along. Like, I mean, you know, your own club of Burr, you would have seen this as well. Like, you know, it's not that Burr ever kind of had to go out in the senior championship and field bad hurlers, but they had to go out and replace some of the best hurlers that ever hurled in this county, you know, and some of the best hurlers that ever hurled in the country. So, you know, like... It, 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 it's very hard to replace when it's sometimes you have teams that are very, very good because they're just so competent the whole way through and they're well coached or something like that. You know, like I would say, and I don't want to insult any individuals, but I would look at, say, the likes of Kilcormick Lahi now. Like nobody would pick out a single hurler in Kilcormick Lahi and say, there's a guy that like people would be talking about in 50 years as, you know, one of the greatest guys ever to hurl in Offaly. But they're just so competent the whole way through. They they hurl as a unit. They're physically well-conditioned. And so a team like that, it's easier to regenerate a team like that than it is to regenerate a team like Road. The thing with Road is that, like, the kind of way that Niall McNamee plays or the way that Brian Darby and Niall Darby plays, like, they're guys that look after themselves so well, or even Alan to that extent. But it's not based on racking up incredible mileage over the course of the game like they they run they're 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 fit for the full 60 minutes as much as they need to be to play the type of game they play so you know it's not that Niall McNamee at whatever age he is now what is he now like 34 I think 34 something it's not that Niall McNamee at 34 is significantly different to Niall McNamee at 29 
you know, because he was never a kind of a, you know, he was never a burst of pace kind of guy. You know, you see corner forwards like that and they're at their best at 22 because pace is their thing. And to be, and if anything, once they're trained up to inter-county style fitness, that nearly kills the sharpness in their legs and they add muscle that doesn't help them and all that kind of thing. You know, road are not that type of team. So they're not going to fall off a cliff all of a sudden. Um, but at the same time, I do think they're going to run into a problem because it won't it won't be that those guys will stop being effective, but those guys will just they'll reach a point in their lives where they just cannot keep continuing. And time catches know, up with everyone eventually. Time catches up. Time catches up with everyone, and it's replacing those guys. I think will be incredibly difficult to do. Road will keep churning out good footballers because, like I said, you know the quality of coaching in the club is just so good. Like I always think it's remarkable. You watch a Road under thirteen game. And they play football the same way as road seniors. You know, it's just, they're one of those clubs. There's no such thing as a coach doing things his own way. There is the road way, and they're all trained in it, and they all do it. But um, That's but, where they've been blessed, know. though, having the likes of, say, Stephen Darby in the National School and him to be there to pass on that kind of knowledge. And ex-players have been willing to buy back in. Like, I was at the press night a couple of weeks ago, and we're just kind of chatting to Malik McNulty a little bit about kind of the... I guess the culture around the club and he says that's one of the things he picked up on very quickly is that you get a lot of people in a small village area where they accept that you have to try and make diamonds out of as many pieces of coal as you possibly have and as mm. a result they have to put extra time and attention into every youngster that comes through the gate mm. yeah but it's it's that but it's also but it is that that it's like the the one thing about your Niall and Brian Derby and your McNamese and all these guys like their contribution to the club will not stop when they stop kicking football. Mm. You know, that is one thing you can say with a hundred percent certainty that those guys will be back. They'll be on the training field or they'll be involved in the committee in some other way, or they'll be because like, you know, it's not just football. It's, it's, it's GAA is a way of life. And there is a distinction between the two because there are clubs where guys will be very good footballers, but once the football stops, they're stopped. And they move away. And there there all be an element of that. But in road now, we'll do a fantastic job of keeping people involved and keeping turning things over. And that, again, feeds into the coaching because guys, guys are giving back what they took out in terms of their understanding of the game. So they'll never fall too far. But I just, I you know, there will come a time when you're just, you're just trying to replace footballers that are absolutely exceptional. That's going to be the hard bit for them. Yeah, when it comes to Tullamore, Kevin, my feeling from watching the stream and listening to Brian Gavin and John Reynolds on the commentary on the radio yesterday was that with the wind and with the conditions and given the way that Road often play in the second half of games, Tullamore might be kicking themselves. They didn't take some more chances in the first half to just bolster that lead a little bit going into halftime. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't said that. I don't have my wide count here beside me, or maybe I do. Hold on. Uh, I do. Where are we here now? First live, half, live podcast moment here, folks. Live podcast, absolutely, yeah. So road wides in the first half, eight, Tullamore, six. Mm. Like, so to me, the issue with Tullamore was that they, yeah, they could have taken more of their chances. They weren't creating great chances. Um, like, they scored five points in the first half. Like, Aaron Levy put one over from the clouds, like, uh, like from outside the 45. Nigel Bracken put one over the very first point of the game from maybe 10 yards in from the sideline, five yards back from the 45, or inside the 45. Uh, John Maloney put over a free, which was, again, a good 50, 55 metres. 
So there are three or five points kicked from Pluto. Awkward angles, yeah. Yeah, you know, kicked from big distances. Okay, they had the wind behind them and they were right to go for it. But they had no penetration close to goal whatsoever. Like, you know, full forward line, they were getting nothing. You know, they just simply were not getting any traction whatsoever. Not in the first half, not in the second half. Like, you know, John Maloney had an impact when he was coming out to get the ball. But, like, you know, if you're going to play John Maloney at 14 and, you know, junior B tactician here, I personally, no matter whether you're playing county or club, I would just stitch the number six on Johnny Maloney's back and just to hear wear that for the next six months because yeah, he said that to me a couple of weeks ago too because I was kind of wondering, you know, mm. did he like getting a feel for playing a bit further forward for the club? Because some people like to play different positions, like intercounty. Mm. I enjoy playing six, and for my club, I like to just get a chance to score goals. He was saying whether it was club or county, he would much prefer to play in the half back line. He wants to be centre half back and he wants a chance to kind of patrol that area and carry the ball out. But he felt for his club, it was just adding maybe an extra option in the forward line. I do kind of wonder a bit like you, if he's a bit further back in the field, Johnny Maloney can influence the game in a way that he isn't able to influence it if his teammates can't get the ball to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, but the, and, 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 and it works on both counts because if you're going to play Johnny Maloney in full forward, you've got to get that ball up in the clouds, get some snow on it and land it on top of his head. And I don't think that happened. Now, again, it wasn't conditions for doing that mm. because... It's difficult to do that in the wind because it's hard to judge it. And, you know, it just it, it just struck me that, like, to me, yeah, Tullamore, they put themselves, like, at 5-3 at halftime, they weren't too bad because they left themselves in a situation where if they could scramble a goal or do something, um, you know, they might have kind of won a bad game. Um, but, like, they brought Shane Dooley on at halftime. I remember he went for a ball after two or three minutes and there was two or three road guys around him. One of them spoiled it. Another one picked up the loose bits and away they go. And I don't think Shane Dooley actually got to handle the ball until about 55 minutes into the game. Mm. And that wasn't Shane's fault. The ball was not coming in. Um, you know, so I don't think Tullamore could argue it was missed chances, really. Like, they just, you know, they weren't getting on enough ball. They, allowed, like, definitely... Like they had to do something more about Alan McNamee claiming all that clean possession in midfield. Like first half and second half, that's what was killing them. And I don't ever remember looking down and seeing, okay, this is what Tullamore are doing differently to try and address that, to try and make something happen. Because, like, say, Kieran Egan and Aaron Levy were like they scored one three between them. Aaron Levy got one two. Kieran got an excellent point before half time. They're good footballers. But in terms of old-fashioned, you know, chip on the shoulder, dog it out midfielders, they're not that so much. Or, you know, they're very young to be that for a start. Mm. You know, that's something that comes with time. And, you know, that, that was where I thought Tullamore were struggling. Like, now, don't get me wrong, they could have nicked it. And if they did, I mean, I can only imagine what Road would be thinking because, like, that was the one thing towards the closing stages of that game. Road started killing time towards the end and they left themselves vulnerable to that soccer soccer punch now i have no idea what happened in that goalmouth scramble at the very end you probably saw more on the stream than i would have seen it seems like there was a push into the goal and uh, one of the road defenders ends up 
in the net with uh, everything behind him, but it looked like it was a push. I know that Maliki McNulty uh, said it was after the game that they were quite fearful on the sideline. It's that kind of moment where, you know, if the referee makes a different decision, the county final takes a totally different complexion. And he said he was quite relieved when he saw the hand was going up for a free out. Oh, absolutely. And like, look, it probably was a free out. I wasn't anywhere close to it. In fairness, you can often tell what the umpires think because if an umpire thinks it's fine, he'll raise the green flag and then talk to the ref. Yeah. If the umpire thinks not a goal, he won't raise it. And, you know, and Marius Stone seemed fairly confident. His initial, the first signal he gave seemed to suggest that it was going to be a free out. He talked to his umpires, free out confirmed. I'm fairly, look, without having seen anything, I'm sure it probably was a foul. But it boils down to Road left themselves in a position where, you know, with the last play of the game, there was a high ball drop, a high ball dropping in, to, in top of their square, bouncing around their square, fit to go anywhere. I mean, you know, like as Gail Colin Kill knowing Mead, we can see how that how that ends. You know, they got done, Ratoth did the exact same thing to them. And there was no excuse for it. And I mean, maybe it was a thing, maybe it wasn't, like, and I do understand why you would do this. But remember when they took Alan McNamee off and he started fist bumping and kind of waving at the crowd and this there was an element, the job is done. Yeah, it sent that signal. And I remember remarking on it at the time. There was one or two told him, and even then, okay, you could say it was double scores, but there was still two goals in it. And let's be honest, it was that kind of day when, you know, miserable, greasy, bad goals were very possible. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at a couple of Tullamore lads and I was going, I could see them boiling, you know, at this, like, I mean, you know, and it wasn't that... You know, it, it just it just struck me as kind of an odd thing. And, and it was in keeping with what Road were doing, which was going side to side. And I mean, it was the, the, the kind of the insurance point, if you like, they got the last score they got. Maybe it's instructive. Maybe it's me reading something into nothing, which is what media people do. But like it was kicked by Aaron Keelan, the one man who didn't have a bin load of county medals at home. You know, he was probably the one feeling the most nervous because, well, I don't, I, I haven't won a load of county medals. I don't feel like, oh, yeah, we're comfortable now. You know, maybe I'm reading something that or maybe I'm not. But he showed a bit of purpose and kind of let's try and actually win this game instead of work down the clock. And, well, thank God he did from Rhodes' point of view, because if it was 1-8 to 1-7, you know, and Tullamore get that late free, well, then they have a whole other set of options and they can try and work oh, yeah. it in and get a point yeah. And the thing is, Kevin Rowe would be kicking themselves because all the good work should have been in that little platform the 15 minutes after half time. They keep Tullamore, I think, in a 21, 22 minute spell mm. to one point. There's no reason that you should be in a position where, you know, someone pulls on a ball that's been dropped in around the square and a goal goes in and potentially a county final is lost. They should never really have found themselves in that position. Not a bit of it. I mean, like, Niall McNamee was on fire in the second half. And yet. Like, it felt like the ball wasn't going near him because they were just messing and going side to side. And like that, just in that, we can control possession here. We can just work down the clock. And look, I mean, on one hand, I'm very conscious of the fact, like, you know, who am I, awfully junior C medalist, telling Road how to play football. But it just, there just was that sense that, like, lads, you can put this game away. You have the wind behind you. You have forwards in form. You know, like... Keelan was struggling for a lot of the game because he was struggling with the wet ball. But, like, he showed savage persistence to get the goal. And you could tell it just transformed him as evidenced by the score at the end. You know, so they had forwards in form. 
they had loads of possession, they had the win behind them, and they showed little or no interest in scoring. Like, and as you say, it was actually, if memory serves, it was John Maloney's free in the 55th minute was Tullamore's first point in the second half. Yeah. Like, yeah. they should have been out of sight and away, like, you know, and away and think, planning the socially distanced homecoming, you know, not not leaving themselves in a situation where, albeit, like, look, it was a self-inflicted goal. They gave away possession that went through the hands and close-range finish. But, like, they just left themselves vulnerable there, you know. And, I mean, and, and the other side of it is, like, you know, if there, if there was one club you wouldn't want to leave yourself vulnerable to, it would be Tullamore. Because, I mean, who has won more county championships by just finding a way to win games that you'd say to themselves they didn't have it in them to win or they weren't playing the better team? Mm. Could have happened, but look. I, I assume Niall Stack will still be in charge next year, Kevin. I think he sees this as a project with his own club to try and bring them along with everything he's done with these young players at school's level. I think it would make perfect sense for him to be the guy in charge if he still wants to be there. But certainly the impression he gave us two weeks ago was that this is a long-term plan for him. He's got a lot of good raw materials to work with there. There's a lot of nice footballers in that Tullamore panel. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, I might, I might have been dogging on kind of Aaron Levy and Kieran Egan in terms of you know, like that fight in terms of winning primary possession in midfield. But again, it's a lot easier to take what they are, which is good, competent footballers with a lot of skill and a lot of natural athleticism and add that little bit of dog than it is to take a dog and add the ability to kick points from 40 yards away. You know, so absolutely he's got good raw material. There was other young lads that maybe didn't have a great game yesterday, but I mean, the bulk of the team is there for the long haul. You know, Oshin Keenan Martin has come on an awful long way. Um, you know, there's just so many guys. Like, and even the fellas that have a few years behind them. You know, your um, your Pa Robiard, your uh, um, Kevin O'Brien, there a wing back. Like, there's a lot of just good, competent footballers, guys that are more than good enough to play their part in a county championship winning side. And look, Niall Stack, you won't get a more dedicated Tullamore man. There's no way he no he wasn't going in there to try and pick up. A handy medal. I mean, nobody would have looked at Tullamore as kind of a handy county medal at the start of the year anyway. Yeah. So, you know, there's no question he would be looking at what he could do. And I mean, yeah, you look at the profile of the team there, there's no doubt he was trying to blood young lads and get them in, get them get them a feel of what's required. And they'll take a lot out of this year, no question. Yeah, I imagine when they left their game against Road on a Monday night back in late August and it looked like they were out of the championship going into the final round. It's a good achievement by them to qualify for the county final and then to be competitive against Road in that final too. I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way, but for Tullamore, that will have been seen as mm. a good turnaround from the position they were in two weeks into the championship. Yeah, yeah. oh no, I was I was at that game in Gracefield. I, I was covering it and I remember like that it did just, Road just looked so comfortable in terms of creating scores. Now that particular night, Tullamore matched Road in an awful lot of facets of play. They just could not finish um they couldn't finish i remember i'm gonna say was it luke egan possibly had a good day good evening that night kicking three or four points and other than that attack wise it just didn't happen for them um but you know like at the, but at the same time like i mean that's you know i mean that's the gap you have to bridge with road they have rory mcnamee niall mcnamee anton sullivan the good, you know, a good chunk of the off the forward line. So they're always going to be, they're going to be better than pretty much any other team at scoring. So that's the gap you have to bridge. And Tullamore definitely look like they've 
already taken a good few steps and I would bank on them taking more steps now as long as Niall Stack stays involved. Kevin, before I let you get back to normal civilian life for the evening, um, was that normal civilian about, life? What? What? You know, what? Fa- family what? life, you know, normal, not, <laughs> not talking nonsense with me about football uh, for half an hour. Um, this is the most normal thing we get to do these days. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about um, what's going to happen in terms of yeah, the club championships now being pushed back at this point. I guess, look, Offaly have been lucky in a way that they got most of their football finals complete. There's still the under-20 football and hurling to be finished. There's still a couple of senior hurling competitions to mm. be completed, which were due to be played this Sunday. But for the best part, I think Offaly would be happy enough that given they had the localised lockdown to deal with as well, they've got quite a few of the finals played over the last two or three weekends. It's kind of indefinite in terms of when these games are going to come back, but I'm sure the county board will be quite ha- quite thankful that at least they got most of their finals played before the announcement on Monday afternoon. Ah, yeah, look, they've done they've done incredibly well. And I mean, I know this is no consolation to Kennedy or Drumcullen or Kilcormick Lahey or Rhinos that are waiting that you know that we're waiting on next weekend. But having said that, I mean, as you said, the localized lockdown was such a huge factor because, you know, it was it wasn't a two-week lockdown, it was a three-weekend lockdown. And that took an absolutely massive toll. You know, they'd be in a very different position if that was done. So, or that didn't happen. So, look, they've done really, really well. That said, look, I, I, I remain skeptical that it'll happen, but it, it, it's patently clear there is a determination for intercounty to happen. Um, you know, even the fact that today the GA was very, they specified clearly they're not suspending all activity, they're suspending all club activity. You know, and I can understand why that would be the case on a lot of levels because you know when we were all locked down the first time a there was a novelty factor you know the we're all in it together we're all figuring out how to make banana bread together and all that and but more to the point the weather was good outside yeah you know like there was a lot people could do to the point that we were you know there was people giving out about everyone going to the same beach nobody's going to be going to the beach in november you know like so, so there'd be no problem being socially distanced, distanced at the beach, you know, and, and people are worn down. People are, you know, they're tired of all this, the financial toll, the mental toll, all of this is wearing in. So I'd say on every level, there is a willingness that they, they absolutely want sport on TV. And, you know, so they, so there seems to be a determination that inter-county is going ahead. And to tie that back in, where I'm going with that is that if... Offaly are playing Carlo in the Leinster Championship and Offaly are playing in the Christie Ring Cup Harlan and they're doing all that. They're going to find it very, very difficult whenever those campaigns end not to say, okay, well now Kilcormick, Kilahi and Rhinos can go ahead, albeit behind closed doors or whatever. Um, you know, like, because, I mean, how do you justify, like, a Leinster Championship game between Offaly and Kildare, which would have huge, massive interest and, you know, would have people gathering in houses on both sides of Eden Derry and so on, you know, you can't say, oh, it's okay for that game to go ahead behind closed doors, but it's not okay for Kilcormick, Lahey and Rhinos to play out. So I, I fully anticipate that those games will be played in the next probably month, month, month to six weeks, something like that. Yeah, because re- realistically, right, Offaly are probably not going to win the Sam Maguire. I'd love to be horribly wrong in this and probably still to be involved on the third week of December and it has to get pushed mm. into the new year. But realistically, that's probably not going to happen. Offaly will get to a point in Leinster. There's no qualifiers mm. this year. That's going to open up a gap. And also when it comes to the hurling, 
again, fingers yeah, crossed. Get three to the Christi- rounds, like, yeah. yeah, fingers crossed they get to the final of the Christie Ring. I think that's down schedule for like the last week of November, first week of December. So worst comes to worst, by the first week of December, after you're going to be finished in both codes and the under-20 championship campaigns are going to be over. So you would imagine, and I know it's not ideal to be playing games in December, but there should be a one-month area there where these county finals can be finished and the two under-20 championships can be run off. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, I I suspect under-20, the mind be as determined on that. Like, it's different you're talking about the flagship team for clubs and they've 90% of the championship played and all that. Now, I know... The hurling, all right, is down to the hurling's down to the final. I'm pretty sure the football, I know, because of the round order finals, because the delay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, is there even? I think there's even one preliminary for Ban Tullamore replay never got hap- never happened either. That's right. That's there's a round a second, one, I think. Yeah, round one encounter, which will create a quarter final. So they are a little bit behind, particularly with under yeah, twenty eight counties so coming up too. I can see a situation, and again, like that ties then in with third level and everything as well. You know, given that, you know, they're, they're obviously going to be determined to keep schools open because if you're shutting down schools, you're shutting down everything. Um, determined to keep schools open. Whether that will extend to third level or not, I don't know. Um, the universities have got all their money in their pocket now, so they're quite happy to tell all the students to feck off and go watch on Zoom instead of coming down to us. But, you know, at the same time, accommodation deposits have been paid and people are living in the t- in the cities you know students are traveling to cities and coming back so i can see a little bit more reluctance in terms of under 20 now i wouldn't say with any huge degree of confidence that burst themselves to get that played but no the county finals 100 percent you know the and under 20 hurling included those hurling finals they will find a way to get them in i would say and like i said there's no way people can argue that oh no we can't play them because of covid when there's inter-county going on Yes, no, it takes away the argument, especially if we stay at level three, which is currently the plan as we record this podcast for this week. <laughs> uh, Kevin, thanks plans, a million for joining plans, us. On the, we have plans. There you go. We, we have a plan of sorts. Kevin, thanks a million for joining us on the uh, Brave and Faithful podcast. Your first, but I'm sure what won't be your last appearance with us on the pod. And uh, thanks for being so good with your time as well. Listen, it's great. It's great to have it. It's a great resource for all Offaly supporters, particularly the likes of us. I'm not too far emigrated, but I'm emigrated a little bit. So, uh, it's great. It's great to have you doing it, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the content filler you're going to come up with over the next while. I have to say, uh, I'm I'm sure I've got ideas somewhere. I, I don't think nostalgia can be milked anymore, so we'll have to come up with some innovative ideas. I think over the next four weeks. But uh, Thank Kevin, thanks for being our man on that side of the Shannon. No bother at all. All the best. So that was Kevin Egan in conversation with me about everything that happened before Duro's victory against Gracefield at the weekend. Joe Troy, the senior final pitted road against Tullamore. Road have gone on to 30 titles now at this stage. As they've say themselves, there's many years that people think they're coming towards the end of their journey and they continue to pick up titles. Niall McNamee was saying that there was a real kind of galvanizing effect around the parish after Pat Smullen had passed away, uh, particularly after losing to Forban, the Young Bucks coming up last year, that Road wanted to make sure they got at least one more county medal. And here they are this year, bouncing back pretty much flawlessly, uh, unbeaten throughout the championship, had to go to extra time against Edenderry, uh, but showed their strength and resolve to beat Tullamore by a couple of points yesterday. Yeah, and look, they're, they're so united, um, Will. You know, I would have seen tweets there from Pascal Keelan and, and Ryan Malone and some of the older guard. They're obviously still connected with the panel. They're still held in high esteem. And I suppose Ryan in particular is keen to stress the fact that, you know, Road will say when Road are done, it's not for 
someone from outside the state or finished or getting on in years, that experience that they bring is, is huge. And, you know, we did say after the, you know, I gave Tullamore all the respect we could give them um, last week, but it was going to be very, very hard to top of the road. And I know Tullamore bridged the gap near the end and they had led uh, by a couple of points early in the game, but the road had a lot of wides. They had the bulk of the possession. Um, they're an exceptional, exceptional club. You know, I often joke with Robert Keelan over there and Anton Sullivan, you know, when I be going over for press nights, it's like a pilgrimage. You go into, you know, you were there the other night, into the parish hall, you know, there's a real community feel about it. They're all there. Um, they could talk for hours in road without saying much, it's, you know, to us as media people. And they're so tight-knit and they're so... Um, any youngsters that come onto the panel, like you've seen the likes of Aaron Keelan, they mind him for that year or two. They might bring him down to the field at 15 or 16 and let them get involved in the drills, even though they can't quite play with the adults yet and look after the next generation. But that current generation, the real old guard, you know, the likes of Brian and Niall Darby, the likes of Niall and Alan McNamee, you know, Owen Rigney, they're just there. They're special people. Like you've probably seen on Twitter, there was a, a lot of people writing to see um, after yet another man of the match award for Niall McNamee County Finals, how many it was. And you know, Pat Dunnigan is a great GA historian and, and statistician. They were looking up, and I think from what I could gather today, it's been seven man of the match final awards for yes. Niall McNamee alone in County Finals, which is exceptional. You know, if this if this is Oshin McConville or if this is Stephen McDonald or if it's the one of the Cross McGlen boys that's been so successful, if they're doing that, it blows Twitter up. You know, it, it's all about them. like Niall McNamee. It, it, you could take him two ways. When when he's finished and you look back at what he's achieved, you say, my God, we were so lucky to have him, particularly in the club football circles, to see what he's done and what he's done in Offaly. And then in the other breath, you'd say, it's an awful pity he wasn't around when Offaly were really at the top or still competitive in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, because he just came on the tail end of that because you know he was such a youthful genius that he came on to the tail end of that group. And then he would have been in a lot of, turmoil with different off squads where they maybe didn't achieve what they could have achieved and you know Niall McNamee is up there with your, with your Matt Connors for ability and um, the regard he's held in sometimes special players come along maybe not in the generation they deserve and you know what Niall has achieved over the years on the football field has been nothing short of incredible and you know you see the loss he was last year after that semi-final when he was injured to have him back and to see him back with a clean bill of health, number one, was huge. But, you know, I know Niall gets all the headlines, but Alan McNamee to go out on his own in third place in terms of the amount of senior football uh, titles won. I know he tweeted it yesterday evening behind Huge uh, decision, Roden. by the way, that Road made to actually start Alan McNamee, Joe, because everyone was talking about him being an impact player. And I was talking to Malik McNulty at the press night and he was talking about, you know, the impact that Alan can have. And then not long before throwing, it's clear that he's not wearing a tracksuit top and he's going to play. And he came in there in you know difficult conditions. Like this is where sometimes you want that experienced player. The rain is coming down. It's a bit windy. You're playing against the wind in the first half, and you've got that chance to send out a guy who's been playing in county finals since 1998, and he's going to go out there and be a ball winner and an experienced player for you out there. I think the road management made a really good call to put Alan McNamee in from the start. Absolutely, Alan McNamee. It's all on the game management. He knows his own body. He knows his own strengths. He knows how maybe while he's still middle of the field, how he has to adapt his game. And like, take that after the last round of the hurling, I was talking to Barry Whelan, who'd be a player in a similar mould to Alan McNamee. Barry said, you know, he was box to box in his early career and up until maybe his early 30s. Then he decided, right, 
you know, going in full forward or back wing back or centre back wasn't going to suit him. He continued to hurl midfield, but he got clever. He timed his runs. He hurled between the two sixty fives. He dictated the play. He realised he wasn't going to be going on these big long busting runs trying to get scores. He became clever in his in his hurling. Alan McNeil is doing the same in the football. He probably was the sole reason, without taking away from the players that have soldiered for sixty odd minutes, that rode her back in the final. Um, after you know talking about Eden Derry game as a whole, because when Alan came in. He was that calm and presence. He sprayed around brilliant ball. We all seen the assist he gave uh, to Niall for the goal. Obviously, Niall done tremendously well to finish it from there. But Alan McNamee, his turnovers, his ability maybe to even rile players and, and just bring a response out of the road is huge. And why wouldn't you on county final day? Conditions like that. A man that's been there more times than anyone and has won more than anyone as long as football has been played in this county. So the most experienced man probably ever in club football in terms of how to actually see out games and win them. Why wouldn't you start him? You'd be a foolish man not to. If they were to bring in Alan McInerney under four pints down with 10 minutes to go and they lost, it'd look a very stupid decision. So horses for courses and all that. But you know, Alan McInerney, he does his talking on the field. He interviewed him once or twice after county final. Doesn't say a whole pile. Prepares his way. Looks after the football. Looks after the road. And obviously, massive credit to him. And, you know, look, if he wants to write off in the sunset tonight and, you know, not appear in the field next year, it's entirely his decision to do. But I'd say you'll see Alan McNamee playing football again and even beyond that, maybe down the, the levels in a couple of years because he strikes me as a man that just loves his club and loves the ability to play football. But what a group they've been. They're, they're, you know, with all credit to Tullamore and, and they threw the kitchen sink at them early doors and, and tried to hang on to their coattails. Road are just a phenomenal club. And where circumstances be in their favour last year, if Niall McNamee had been available without taking that from Forban, it could have been a completely different game. And all of a sudden, we go into 2021 and Road are the favourites to beat once again. Yeah, Niall McNamee with five points during the game in that man the match performance is seventh in Offaly Senior Football Finals, which is remarkable in and of itself. Uh, also, Aaron Keelahan, Joe, when you think about it, not easy to come out of a famous family, you know, where your dad's a club legend, your dad's played for the Offaly football team, your dad's been a manager of Offaly under-21s and the coach with the Westmead team. A lot of expectation when people hear that this is really good young lad coming out of the house. He is part of that St. Joseph's Rochester Bridge team, star player for them, captain of the team. Uh, a couple of great days for him at O'Connor Park this year, winning the Leinster Schools, first one for Rochester Bridge, and then he bangs in a goal in the county final uh, to help Road win. But I kind of wonder when it comes to Aaron Keelan as well, Joe, it has to be helpful when you start on an inside forward line where you can look across and you've got Niall McNamee and Anton Sullivan and all their years of experience in that forward line with you. Oh, yeah, and look, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. When you have probably, because not only... You know, has Pascal been a fantastic footballer for Rodan Offaly? He's also proven to be a great manager. And actually, funny enough, Pascal came up to, to Rath here to give a talk to our hurlers one day. You know, Pascal only played junior hurling realistically for Road, but it's his man management and his inspirational abilities. And Alan gave us a talk that evening, um, just come up to, uh, I think it was a quarter final in, in the hurling one time. And you can see how he got a reaction out of every club he's went to, and, and conversely with county underage squads, and now with Westmead. And look, there's no doubt, there's no doubt Pascal will be awfully senior football manager at some stage. Maybe he'll end up marry, or managing Alan, or when when they come on, not, not Alan, sorry, the um, Aaron. Aaron's own the, son, yeah. Because much like I spoke to Niall Stack, there's such a flattering of underage stars coming on and awfully. You need someone with that experience of the dressing room management like Pascal. But you know, you asked about Niall and Anton. I just see they're much like, it's kind of, in that regard, you think of Bonner Maher when he was going through that time, maybe makes the wrong uh, play for Tipperary and you have Owen Kelly and Larry Corbett, you know, pointing to the head, making him learn, making him a better player. That's what you're getting in road because 
they've seen the likes of the McPaddens come through. They've seen now Aaron Keelan come through where they're going to help him. They're going to pass on that mantle. Like Niall McInerney is so clever, not just in what he scores, the way he assists, the way he brings players into the game. So Aaron Keelan, they've probably known about him for a while. He's been bubbling under the surface. They've probably timed his elevation onto the senior team quite well in terms of slowly introducing them and then bang, here he is getting a goal county final day. I think the school run has helped him hugely. We've seen his ability with the goal. It was all over social media again towards the tail end of this year. And I think they've managed him quite well. And I think they have a huge, exciting partnership in there. Because you have to remember, while Niall McNamee has been playing that long, for club football, he's not that old. And Anton Sullivan certainly isn't. So they've blooded in these players. Um, I know there's a few more to come that I speak highly of in a row. But it just is probably a measure of, of Aaron. Because we've seen it so much before, as you said, when you have you know, the famous father and the weight of expectation on him. And maybe it's the hardest place for a player to be is being judged by what your father has achieved or, you know, your mother in Camogie or whatever. I just think that he seems to be a well-grounded young fella. I, I don't know. I know Pascal is to talk to. I don't know um, Aaron as of yet, but he seems to be very, very well-rounded on and off the field. And I think you know, there's no place for egos out in road, which is probably the thing that has stood to them the most for the success they have. You very rarely hear of any off-field stuff at road. You very rarely hear of discipline with them. I think when you go in there, your ego is left at the door and, and you're part of that group in that circle. Well, look, 2020 sucked for a lot of people, but 2020 is going to be a year to remember for Aaron Keelan uh, with those two very important medals, or medals he's won, which I'm sure he's going to cherish too. Let's get a bit of reaction uh, from the game which took place on Sunday. Uh, former Offaly and Clara footballer John Reynolds was on commentary on Midlands 103, and he spoke to Brian Gavin after the game to break down uh, where really they thought the game was won and lost. And in many ways, the feeling is that Tullamore needed to be further ahead at halftime when they just led by five points to three. So it's ended here in O'Connor Park and Tullamore and Road have moved on to title number 13. They've defeated Tullamore on a scoreline of 1-9 to 1-7. They trailed by two points at halftime. They had the breeze though in the second half and John Reynolds have to say Road were deserving winners of this county title. Yeah, they were indeed. Definitely, Ryan. Um, look, used all their experience in the second half and um, got the scores in the matter. Got, got a good goal from um, young um, Keelhan, Aaron Keelhan and, you know, they completely capitalised on every chance they had in the second half and they were well and truly deserving winners. We were talking about ball carriers carrying the ball out of defence. Road looked to be comfortable in the first half carrying it out. Tullamore didn't seem to be as comfortable and ultimately they paid the price. Poor Kevin O'Brien made a mistake and Aaron Keelan made no mistake, which was the turning point, got the Road's goal. Yeah, uh, look, Road at that stage were well on top of the game. They were, they were getting and tackling in twos and threes and it was unfortunate that happened to Kevin O'Brien who got turned over in the full back line but like when Aaron got the chance he, he put the foot through the ball and smashed it to the back of the net but um, look it, it was it was coming for a while Road were really on top at that stage of the game Road in fairness uh, put themselves under a little bit of pressure near the end they made a few substitutions but Rory McNamee going off Anton Sullivan taking off Alan McNamee they were very near paid the price for that at the very end yeah, I, look, we all thought the game was over. Let's be realistic. We thought it was gone, and I suppose the road management obviously thought that as well, but um, it nearly backfired, nearly backfired big time. Like, a ball has dropped in there for the last kick of the game, and like we, we mentioned in the live commentary, anything could have happened. It could it could have broke Tottenham man as, as easy as it broke the road man, so it was a let-off in the end of the day. I suppose the experience of some of the road players really stood up. Owen Rigney at centre-half back. Niall McNamee with four pints in the second half. Clayman and Mark, you know, Alan McNamee, you know, got the underneath Tullamore skin when the game was in the melting pot, and that was another turning point in the game. 
Yeah, look, the conditions out there, as we, we mentioned five or six times, or even more, were, were absolutely dreadful. Tullamore put in so much work in the first half of the game, the tired, you can visibly tired out in the field because Lexi and Michael Brazel, who took so much punishment, carried the ball so much and carried the ball through so many tackles, like, you know, but they were always going to, to wear down or whatever, but... Look, at the end of the day, Rhodes' experience, as I keep going back, there was what really told in the end, I felt. And Road, as you said, title number 30. They were very, very hurt from last year, not winning the championship. And, you know, they really rallied the troops and responded this year. Yeah, certainly did. Look, Road, are, Road were, were, were caught last year, not taking anything away from Faban, but Road were five points up. The young Keelan, who missed it, who missed the chance last year, didn't do the same this year when they got the chance. And... Um, you know, they, that would be really hurt from that. They had some name for the new manager in and a fresh approach, but a lot of the same old stalwarts still there, and it's amazing to still see the Brian Darby's, the Alan McMeys, Niall McMeys, Porrick Sullivan coming on there. You know, how, you know, it's amazing that these guys can still motivate themselves year on, year on, year on. Tullamore's perspective, Niall Stack, uh, probably after round one when Captain Cordafield would have taken a county final spot. He'd be, when he sits down in the next two weeks, while he'd be disappointed in losing the county final today, I think he'd be happy with overall how Tullamore have responded to the early rounds of the championship. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, Niall wouldn't, he won't be happy with losing, nobody's happy with losing the county final, but the year he's had after a, his first game manager, with no league, no pre preparation for a young team like that to get to a county final, these guys got, you know, four championship, four or five championship games. They probably got very limited amount of challenge games. Like I said, no, no league to prepare them there. So, and then coming out and you lose your first game against Cap and Carr. Uh, I was at the game myself. They did not play well in that game. If you're looking at them that day, you would have said, well, you probably wouldn't be thinking you'd see them today in the county final. But, you know, he he kept at it. They worked at it. They got through to beat Clara to, to get out of the group in the end. And um, great performance against the band the last day. And... For long periods of that game today, they had Road in trouble, and even had him in trouble there near when coming to the final whistle. A little bit disappointed, you know. They had they had their tactics or whatever for the second half in place before the game, but in the second half, when Road were getting on top of that, they probably should have changed things up a little bit quicker, went more direct. Like they brought on Shane Dooley, and for twenty minutes, Shane Dooley stood in full forward line, and no ball coming near him. So unlucky in a way, but. You know, the, the, the better team won and they'll the learn on that. So it's ended here in O'Connor Park. Road have got their 30 title of the, the, of the decade or the year, I should say, and they have gone on to the record books. They make that gap three in the difference over Tullamore. Alan McNamee claiming his 12th title in, out there on that pitch today. What a fantastic cheer he got when he was leaving the pitch. So it's the men from Road who have title number 30 in the bag, and they're the men that will celebrate in the village tonight. So from Brian Gavin and John Reynolds, it's Aslan from Tullamore. So that was John Reynolds breaking down the game with Brian Gavin. Brian also caught up with Rhodes' manager who came in this year. We spoke to him on the pod last week. Malachi McNulty had so much success over more than a decade as a player and as a manager with Port Leash. He's kept that Midas touch of winning championships in place by becoming the road manager. He has brought them to the landmark title of number 30. And this is what Malachi McNulty had to say about Sunday's senior football final. Maliki McNulty, victorious road manager for 2020, Rose 30 a title. Titanic struggle in the end, but uh, you made hard work for it, but Road overall the better team. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, thanks very much, Brian. Uh, tough game, uh, really tough game, particularly the first half. Uh, just we were chatting there off air, um, the conditions were very, very, very heavy. 
and it was a huge wind I suppose in the first half so like we would have been glad on the first quarter the first water break to come in and I think we were 2-2, 3-3, something like that Tullamore kind of kicked on um, we wondered at half time was it enough for Tullamore because uh, you know we'd have the conditions in the second half but then you know you go out and then as usual the wind dies down, you know, and you're wondering, do you have any, uh, do you have any advantage at all? But we did say to the lads at half time, when that purple patch comes and it will come, that that's the time to kind of drive it home as best we can. And uh, the lads came up with the goods, you know, um, a great goal. I'm not even quite sure who got it. I think it might have been Young Keelan got it, uh, which uh, he got a boot to it. And uh, I wouldn't have even noticed this unless I was told after the game. Uh, five points from Niall McNamee. It was just. Uh, you know, superb display given the conditions. Yeah, the conditions. Tullamore led, as you said, five points to three in the opening half, but Road then, it took Tullamore 25 minutes to score in the second half. Road scored 1-4 in that period. That was the, the dominant period, as you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's important to make hay, you know, when you can. Um, but even at that, I suppose... You know, there's a nice little marker in any club game, given any conditions, which is about eight points. If you can keep the opposition to eight points, you're giving yourself a great chance, you know. So it's putting a lot of uh, emphasis on your defence, you know. And that's a number that sometimes you'd bandy around with individuals and things like that uh, within the defence. But after that, you know, I was looking, I'd say, on 55 minutes. And sure enough, Brian, you were right. Uh, I, I just turned uh, to the kit man. He was beside me and says, we've only conceded one point in this half, you know, which was great going. It was fantastic going. And then, uh, and I'll share this, with, uh, uh, which I don't mind sharing it at all. Uh, Rory McNamee came off, I think, on 57 or 58 minutes. And he came across and uh, I shook his hand just to congratulate him for, uh, y- you know, the work he had done in the game. And in fairness to him, he goes, it ain't over yet, Mal. And he was right. He was 100%. Um, you know, a goal in the last few minutes would turn the whole thing in its head and sure enough that goal came you know so it was a very very precarious finish for ourselves and uh, I'm not quite sure how close a call it was you probably had a better view of it than I did but it looked very very close from where I was standing and uh, you know I'm just uh, very very thankful that the referee pointed in the right direction and the ball was going back out the pitch Uh, now in my own honest opinion uh, on the balance of play were we the better team Uh, you know I feel we were you know, but sport has a funny way of being able to take things from you yeah. as, as quick as it gives it to you, you know. So, um, you know, we're just blessed, uh, you know, very honoured to work with such a great, great club and a great bunch of players. You know, I've, uh, you'd have to go a long way to find such a bunch that, you know, year on year, and, uh, you know, I would have experienced it a little bit in Portlaoise before, year on year to come back and, uh, you know, contest in county finals and uh, to come back the next year and try and find, you know, where the root of that motivation is going to be. And all the while, it's it, it's just quite simple. It's a, a kind of an individual and a collective, uh, I suppose, will to try and improve yourself and try and be better than what you were before. And, uh, you know, I got that in spades from the road group this year. Just a couple of things. You, you talked about that last decision. Yeah, the, it was a free out. The, the road man was clearly pushed in behind the line. Now, the ball did end up in the back of the net, but it was a free out for road, and rightly so. Just maybe on Alan McNamee coming off, Rory McNamee, as you said, Anton Sullivan, did you probably think he had the game won at that stage, or was just no, freshening things up? No, absolutely not. Uh, you, you know, we would have worked hard with Rory over the last couple of weeks. He uh, put in such a shift in the Eden Derry game that it took him a, a little bit longer than usual to... Um, I suppose to recover so uh, we had a great option in Porrick Sullivan and the conditions out there just suit Porrick down to the ground you know so it was a, a case of get it in the ball get the ball in hand uh, you know and you know move it through uh, move it through hands even if it was hand passing at that stage now we did have a nice little uh, I suppose lead at that stage the other one was Alan McNamee I would have left Alan McNamee on to the end of the game if I could uh, but uh, there was a small pull in the quad that you might have noticed from where you were standing there so he, ha- he had to come away and Anton uh, y- you know was getting a lot of uh, I-, I suppose <laughs> 
target. <laughs> a, a target, yeah. He, he was getting a lot of attention, particularly in the first half. He took a huge amount of hardship now and, and he even uh, chipped in with a great score uh, early in the first half, I think in the first quarter. So, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you, you know, Anton had given everything I think he could have given at that stage, so it was time to make a move. Just a final couple of questions. The two McNamees, both Alan and Niall, I know experience is crucial, but Alan McNamee really stood up to the plate again this year when games were in the melting pot and need to be won. And Niall, in the second half in particular, mm-hmm. kicking over some fabulous scores. Mm-hmm. Look, Alan uh, was fantastic today. You know, uh, we knew, I'd say, about a week ago that Alan was going to be starting in this game. He had put in a great shift, I suppose, in the semi-final. You know, obviously, when he came on with 10 minutes to go against Eden Derry, he had a... Yeah, you know, he did big influence. Um, uh, on the outcome uh, on the draw and things like that but um, Alan uh, I I suppose we were managing Alan a lot this year we had a a small little hamstring issue I'd say six to eight weeks ago we had a quad issue maybe about four weeks ago Um, so you know I was asked over across was today the day to spring Alan Uh, you know it wasn't really uh, I think the time to spring Alan was two weeks ago against Eden Derry and uh, you know and he showed us what he could do coming off the back end of some injuries and uh, he was ready to roll today and we just went with him Finally your own experience in Port Leash from such a successful club coming to a successful club was it a hard transition for yourself to manage these lads? Um, uh, No not really I'd taken a step back from football for a while for personal reasons and um, I suppose the offer of road came here last November. I was, I think it was the only offer where I kind of looked twice and said, yeah, yeah, that would be a club that I would really love to get involved in. Um, you know, I would have known road uh, from playing against them. I would have known road from managing against them. Uh, you know, I was, I knew it was a great crop of players. Uh, you know, I think the general rhetoric that was going around when I was considering it was, ah, sure, they're past it. Sure, you know, they've won everything they're going to win, and sure, there's nothing coming through. That was the rhetoric. But you know, I'm looking at the team down there today. Uh, you had Aaron Keelan that gave a fantastic display, not just on the ball but off the ball. His work rate in the first half was unbelievable, and uh, we had Keith Murphy coming on. I think with five, ten minutes to go, and I think he came out with three or four vital balls there might have been one precarious one but I'll, uh, I'll have a chat with him, <laughs> with him about that later yeah yeah. I suppose it's disappointing from a road practice that there's no Leinster Championship but in the year that's in it I think they'll take uh, the Dowling Cup and title number 30 Now look county titles um, I think their, their importance has been elevated during Covid I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's all got to do with the sense of community and the fact that a lot of uh, a lot of people were put back into their own homes and put back into their own communities and were restricted in their movements and things like that and you know I just think the people particularly during April, May and June we're looking for any opportunity whatsoever to get a wee bit of excitement going within their communities it's a golden opportunity I suppose uh, for the promotion of club uh, club football and hurling uh, with Covid uh, y- you know it's it's not an ideal situation nobody wants to be really in it or anything like that I thought it would have been a great idea as well to drive on with the club championship but that's from a biased point of view of course because uh, you know if I was a county manager I'd be saying drive on with the county so that was Maliki McNulty. Our congratulations to all the champions crowned at the weekend, St. Rhinus, Dangan, Duro, and also to Road, particularly on their landmark victory, winning a 30th Dowling Cup in the Tullamore Court Hotel Offaly Senior Football Championship final. Joe, our kind of script for next week is ripped up ever so slightly because we were going to do uh, quite a bit, obviously, on the hurling finals, which are due to take place this coming Sunday. We'll have to change that unless something dramatic happens between now and this coming weekend. Uh, so we're probably going to offer a bit of something different to the listeners and viewers on the pod next week. 
Yeah, look, we probably have to go into our feature interviews or nostalgia pieces, you know, some humor, some stuff um, quicker than expected. And again, we've said it each podcast, we'd love to hear your feedback um, in terms of listeners, which have been great so far. Let us know what you'd like to hear, because obviously we could be starved of live action to review and preview the next couple of weeks. So who do you want to see? What do you want to talk about? Uh, we have some guests that have already, you know, as you know, um, that are going to line up in various roles for us in terms of nostalgia pieces we're going to do. and and maybe head-to-head stuff of, of the years gone by. So, look, we have a blank canvas. We have a fair idea of what we're going to do and what material we have. But we'd love to hear from you, uh, see what you like, and, look, we'll, we'll endeavour our best to get it out for you for your listenership. Yeah, before we go, just a few thank yous. Thanks to uh, Kevin Egan for joining us to have a chat about the COVID-19 situation and all that kind of drama before uh, the game between Duro and Gracefield on the weekend just gone by. Our thanks to Zoe Ryan, who helped us out on video again at Borden Mono O'Connor Park on Sunday, uh, putting together those videos where we were able to review the Senior B and Senior A finals. Uh, Brian Gavin, good friend of the show, uh, helping us out with video and reaction from the matches uh, to bring you some of those interviews. And thanks to Joe uh, for joining me, as always, of course, on the pod. Uh, we'll probably be back, I'd imagine, on Skype or Zoom next week, Joe, uh, given that we're in level three, but uh, we'll definitely be putting some kind of show together for people next week. Yeah, we look forward to hearing all your thoughts in the meantime. You know, the episode will be out as always Tuesday. Um, we have our ideas, so we're ready to go. We hope the sport in action is not away too long, but we keep some form of sport going in your ears. And once again, we thank you all for listening. Yep, thanks a million. Brave and Faithful Pod, if you want to check us out on YouTube or on Facebook, uh, you'll find us there. That's a good place to catch any of the uploads or updates that we put up. Uh, we are also Faithful Pod on Twitter. If you want to give us a follow there, send us your uh, feedback. And if you want to send us an email, braveandfaithfulpod at gmail.com. It's probably the handiest way to get through to us. And we'll speak to you again next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Brave and Faithful podcast. Will and Joe will be back with a fresh pod next Tuesday. To continue the conversation, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.